This is unstructured. Hey, everybody. Today we're joined by Mark Shaw. Now, I kind of feel ahead of the game, but behind in the game because I discovered Mark Shaw pretty early on LinkedIn. Somehow I was reaching out trying to build connections and I connected with Mark Shaw and I saw these videos on the screen. Now, I can't stand pre-roll videos in any social video, um, social media or anything else. So my laptop's always on mute. And I'm looking at the screen and I see this crazy dude punching at the uh, camera. And I'm going, okay, what is this guy on about? I need to check out this video. And I watched the video and I think it was about um, how Instagram could be seen as a waste of time for a lot of people. And I will definitely go into the view of that. But I thought about it for a second. And I was like, you know what? That's actually pretty brilliant. This guy's punching at the camera. And now I'm watching his video. If he wasn't punching at the camera, he's just a talking head. And he just goes and blurs right on by. Now, if somebody else liked it or commented on it, then maybe I'd watch it. But that punching, it had impact on me. Now, it turns out I think you've been on LinkedIn for, what, a month? Yep, I got back on there a month. I abandoned all social media bar Twitter about two or three years ago. But I decided to come back to LinkedIn because Twitter doesn't work anymore for me. Hmm, interesting, interesting. And it's kind of a funny thing. I'm Maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like LinkedIn, I've been on LinkedIn since I don't even remember, 2008, 2009. And it was nothing more than a platform that just kind of annoyed me in my email inbox every once in a while saying that, some vendor was doing something or gee whiz, um, I'm going to, uh, somebody wished me Merry Christmas, which is nice, but I was just, I never really got into it. But lately it seems as if it's coming into its own. Well, and, that, and that's part of the reason why I came back, you know, for many years, as far as I was concerned, it was just a giant CV. That's all it was for, for getting a job. I didn't need a job, uh, recruiters paradise or driving you mad for a job. Um, and that's why I left. Didn't see any value in it. And around, I don't know, six months ago, I start seeing people saying, you've got to check out LinkedIn. It's way different than how it used to be, particularly video. LinkedIn have obviously made a decision that they will heavily like your video posts, whether we like that or not. It's their playground. People need to remember that. And they give you all the distribution in the world when you do video. So I thought, I like a good video. I'm quite good on video. We'll give it a crack. That's why I came back. Very cool. Now, um, to give um, a little bit of the backstory, I believe you were a mortgage broker. Then, like uh, everybody else in the world, you suffered the market collapse and, like many others, became a social media expert. Well, yeah, I can fill in a few more blanks than that. I awesome. started off I started off selling medical products. That was my big job. I sell medical devices and stuff to intensive cares in hospitals. Um, and I learned a very big lesson. And my first lesson that I really learned there was that if I called up and asked to speak to a consultant, nurse or whatever to sell them something, I would get an appointment in about a year's time. Mm. If I called up and said I want to come in and do some training, I would typically get in the following week. They'd fill the room full of doctors and nurses. I'd do my hour training. But here's the kicker. They bought more of my stuff. I sold more stuff by training than selling. And I think that's the first lesson that I learned. And that's what got me interested in social. Because I learned the more you help, 
train, guide, support, and do all that woolly stuff, the more you sell. So that's what got me into there. Unfortunately, I don't know if you know the NHS in the UK, but basically has no money for medical products anymore. <laughs> I stopped about five years. Well, a doctor once said to me, love your product. Got to go and do a sponsored bed push to raise the money. So that mm. was the end of that. Uh, and then I fell on becoming a mortgage broker. How did I do that? I remortgaged my house. And the broker said, you'd be really good at this. And I was doing that fantastically well until the world collapsed. The financial industry finished in 2008. You couldn't get a mortgage. You either, uh, well, you just couldn't. The banks weren't lending to anybody. Um, and at the same moment, I went into bankruptcy. So that was an interesting moment in my life. Uh, everything fell apart, came out with 32 pounds, two bags of clothes, and went to live back at my parents' house. Mm. Always that fun. Then, you know, well, that was, a, that was an eye-opener. Um, that got me into a situation where I had nothing going on. And someone said to me, Mark, have you heard of this Twitter thing? And I went, no, why would I want to tell anyone I'm having a cup of tea? Couldn't get it. But unlike most people, I had nothing else to do in my life. I was just sitting at home. Um, so I figured it out. I spent a year trying to figure out how is social good for business? Not interested in following Lady Gaga. And at the end of that year, I had my lucky break. I suddenly got a phone call from the radio, come on a show, uh, did that show, and then literally within a, six months, I, you know, now I've done 250 radio interviews. So that was my sort of break into social media, and that's how I got involved, purely because I like to figure out how could it be used for business? How can we generate revenue from something that is social? That's very interesting, and I know that you have a very powerful uh, Twitter profile. I see, I came at everything from LinkedIn. I didn't really know anything about your Twitter background, et cetera, but like um, Gary V follows you of all people. Well, at my heyday, I was going great. I mean, it's provided me a fabulous lifestyle. I've spoken all over the world, had the most amazing upgrades and all sorts of things. But like so many things, it's changed dramatically, and it changed dramatically on Twitter about three years ago. Don't know what if anything happened? in well, I don't know if it was anything in particular, but certain things happened. Number one, everyone and their auntie's a social media expert. Number two, people's consumption of social changed. They're just overwhelmed with it. Everyone talks about you've got to push out content. Well, the problem is there's so much of it now. The problem is, is that whatever you're doing, you're in competition with Kim Kardashian, who's skiing naked down, you know, on the, on the Lake Placid or whatever. You've got no chance. So, it all started changing in terms of engagement, in terms of business leads opportunities about two to three years ago. And that's when I thought, you know what, maybe I need to move. Maybe I've become stale. Maybe I've become boring. Maybe my message is just not being received much anymore. And that's where I started to think, you know what, social's great, but it is only one channel. There hmm. are many other channels in selling, but everyone seems to be obsessed. It's the be all and end all. So I started coming up with this anti-social idea that, right. you know what, social's got a place, but so is getting on the phone. So is networking. So is direct mail, email, all sorts of other things. And you know what? I think the worst thing about it is, is social media, as far as I think, has been the kiss of death for many businesses. It's made them lazy. Hmm. Stop them doing what they need to do. Okay. So you're um, essentially trying to get attention and help people through a contrarian um, approach. 
I'm I'm trying to tell people how I think it really is. I'm not I don't live in fantasy. A lot of people on social media in particular, I would describe live in a fantasy world where likes, retweets, shares, comments, all this warm and fuzziness makes them feel really good about themselves, which is okay. But bottom line is, does it lead to more business? Whatever you're doing, if you're putting out photos of fluffy dogs and Gandhi quotes and whatever, that's fine. But at the end of the day, has it actually led to a business opportunity? Are you getting clients and customers? That's the bottom line. You know, I, you know, I say to clients all the time, the end game of social media is to sell more stuff. If you ain't selling more stuff, why are you on there? Now, I get some people just like the camaraderie and the meeting. I get all that. But on a business level, if you're not selling stuff, more stuff, any stuff, surely you've got to question why you're doing it. And they don't. They just keep blasting. And their, their view, their sort of mindset is, oh, I know what. I need to be on another platform. I need to be in another place. I'm going to duplicate even more meaningless, boring, valueless content and just spread it everywhere in the hope something happens. Not anymore. Not anymore. Okay, so um, as I'm uh, habitually saying, since it's all about me, um, taking my example, because I'm, I'm completely, I'm not going to say completely clueless, I'm starting to learn about social media, but my whole goal in life with social media is, yes, I want to establish a relationship, but I really want people to listen to my show. That is my end point goal. So I'm better off rather than looking at how many times somebody likes a post or retweets or whatever, I should maybe check the link that I put inside the post and see if people actually went to download or listen to the show. Would that be fair? Absolutely. There's, there's two metrics in the world, vanity metrics and sanity metrics. Okay. The vanity stuff, are how many likes you get, how many emoji hearts and all that nonsense, meaningless. Okay. You get them all day long. And there's a reason why you get them. The reason why you get so many likes occasionally on stuff, particularly on Instagram, is because they want you to go and like their photo of a croissant. There is nothing behind it. It's purely, I've liked you, please like me. Why would someone like your photo of a coffee cup? There is no logical sense in it other than for that reason. So that's the point. You've got to get to vanity metrics, website traffic, bought your product podcast listeners if they're increasing with your activity fantastic if nothing's happening with it surely you've got to question the time you are putting into this is it worth doing when there are so many other things you could be doing and what are some of those and because again it's all about me and i want to convert as many listeners as i can so far i've been pretty lucky when people hear the show they tend to listen to more than one and, and that to me is a win. Um, but there are 600,000 podcasts out there. Of that now, only 75,000 are actually active. So we could take the number down some. But a lot of it is how to cut through the noise. And it could be in any business and just say, hey, give it a listen. And actually get people to listen to one episode, maybe two, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, one of the, one of the things that people rarely consider, which is your greatest marketing tool, is create an awesome podcast. If you can get people to come off your show and willingly share it with everybody, tell the universe how amazing your show is, you're halfway there. 
So one, you've got to have a great, and when I say a great show, it's got to be awesome. You know, the bar's moved up. You know, you know, med- no one shares mediocre. When did you last go to a restaurant and say, recommend it to someone and go, oh, I went to this restaurant. It's fairly average, but I think you should go mm-hmm. there. Never going to happen. So the bar's, you've got to put it up there. So one, whatever your product or service is, got to be awesome. Got to be amazing. Got to have the wow factor, all of that stuff. That's 70% of your stuff right there. After that, it's then leveraging collaboration and getting more distribution, not more content. Everyone's pushing out content. No one's reading any of your stuff anymore. No one cares about you shouting how good your podcast is. What you've got to do is get distribution from other platforms or other people who shout about how good your stuff is. You've got to get advocates. You've got to get people who like you, who think you're fantastic and are happy to share your message. That all takes time. So start hooking up with other podcast people, start hooking up with other people you can collaborate with, start hooking up with other ways to distribute what you're doing rather than content. So if you look at a lot of the stuff that I do on LinkedIn, I don't even mention my podcast. I've in no video have I once mentioned here's a link, here's a nothing. My view is you do something that adds adds value and you drive people to look at your profile or you drive people to things that you've done that if they are interested, they'll come listen to. But bottom line, though, this is tough. You know, there's a great saying I have, you know, build it and they come only happens in Hollywood movies. Right. Okay. <laughs> okay. It, you know, the marketing is the toughest bit of whatever you're doing. That's why whatever percentage is a massive percentage give up on pretty much everything. Why? Because in their mind, they've built the product or the service. They've got the website. They've done a couple of posts. They've got the in, they've got all the accounts ready to go, and they're doing a bit, and nothing's happening because it won't. We're all competing with everybody. It's tough. That's good. And you brought up marketing, which is very good. Um, I'm you know I'm new to a lot of the uh, business side because I'm a corporate drone, and you know I'm kind of hitting everything at once. And one of the big misnomers, and I'll probably ask it of multiple guests, because again, not everybody listens to every episode, but you want to go into what's what the difference is between marketing and advertising? Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's a fine line. But at the end of the day, everything you do is marketing. Everything, the way you speak on the phone, the t-shirt you're wearing when you go to the wine bar, everything is advertising. And you've also got to look at the way that most of the social media platforms are now. Again, it's their playground. So what does that mean? That means that I don't even know if your listeners understand that just because someone is connected to you or likes your Facebook page, they don't get to see any of your stuff. Just because you post something, you think you've got a thousand connections. I think you're lucky if 10% see it. The rest don't even get it. Why? Because these are businesses that want you to pay to play. They want you to advertise. How do you think Facebook makes billions every quarter? Not because they're charitable, because they want you to boost the page, promote the page and all that stuff. So you've got to think, what are you going to do to market your stuff? And have you got a budget to advertise your stuff in various places? Now, the challenge for most people, as I would call it, is do you have a hobby or do you have a business? Most people have a hobby. 
They think they can do this all for free because it's social and it's, it's all free, yeah? It's not free. It's not free. If you want to get your message out there seriously, you need to put a few dollars behind it, I'm afraid. Okay. And that that actually was a question I'd have um, later on. So essentially, I've heard before that you either you're paying with dollars or you're paying with time. And Absolutely. Combination of both. So if you can't get around the algorithm directly and you need to move quickly, you have to pay in to force the algorithm to your favor, or you need to build actual relationships with people because those actual relationships with people who are fans or connections will lead to your post being seen to their friends because you have an actual relationship. Absolutely. You need, you need to understand how do the platforms work? What do they want in life? And what they want in life is eyeballs on their site. That's what they want. So what are LinkedIn, Facebook, what do they keep doing? How many times are your notifications going off your phone? Binging, binging, bonging, nonstop. They want you to keep coming back to their site. This is why they encourage native video on LinkedIn. Don't put a YouTube video on there. Won't do anywhere as near as good as a native. Why? They don't want you disappearing to YouTube. They want you staying on LinkedIn. And Facebook are the same. They don't want you disappearing to Twitter or anybody else. They want you staying there. So that's number one. Number two, they encourage, they want you to get this engagement thing. That is how the algorithm is driven. The more engagement you get on a post, the more at the moment it seems to filter through the network. Now, what does that mean? That means you've got to keep coming back every five seconds to answer everybody. You hmm. can't just dump your message and walk away. You've got to be in the thick of it. So how do you do that and run a business and do everything right. else you're supposed to do? It's impossible. There are some really cool content marketing people, and I have no problem with what they say to people. However, the Gary V's and the Pat Flynn's and the Neil Patel's and all these great guys, they've got a team working for them. Mm -hmm. They've got 50 people videoing, audioing, podcasting, splicing and dicing content all day long. Gary is not his job. He's just in a cab and he's recording because he's got all these people. Most people, it's you, your partner, your, what, your dog, nothing. And run the business and do everything. It's impossible. It's in, you're playing a losing game with the content game. You need a different strategy, and that's building relationships, building advocates. That's what takes so long. That's what's so tough. Okay, and would you mind going into um, a general overview of the different platforms? Because you've, you've mentioned a lot of times, and I think it's, it's very valuable. How are they different? Because, I mean, Twitter and Facebook are, are very different in, in my mind. Well, Okay, so I, I tend to take the view of how they were originally started. That's I think, is the sort of premise of how you might want to consider using them. To me, LinkedIn was started as a professional business networking platform. That's the sort of thing. So if you start putting up photos of, you know, fluffy dogs and all that sort of stuff, people are going to go, this isn't Facebook. That seems to be how that is, okay? Facebook started out as a way for college people to keep in touch with each other. Facebook is far more what you do on the beach, what you're doing on holiday, sharing with your friends and family what you're up to. That doesn't mean you can't talk business, but how it was essentially started. Twitter, 280 characters, what are they best at? Breaking news, live events, 
what's happening in the world right now. But it's a distribution platform. You see, everyone puts in links. They want to drive you to their blog, their channels, because, you know, a video on LinkedIn can only be two minutes. It's very different. Instagram started off as a sharing of photos platform, but it's been ruined. How has it been ruined? By idiots like me and everyone else putting photos <laughs> of a croissant on there and asking people to like it. There are some really good photographers on there who should get the likes. So, yeah, and remember, Facebook is, you know, Facebook owns Instagram. So that's a sort of Pinterest is more sort of visual, you know, boards and things where people can share if you have very visually appealing products. So they've all sort of started off in a certain genre, so to speak. But as they've grown, matured, as the marketers have, have arrived and ruined them all with their advertising and they've got to make money from everything, they've all morphed into other things. But that essentially is how I would tend to view them all. But the question that people are, you know, YouTube is just video content, obviously. Mm -hmm. And that's probably the biggest. But people don't even think that's social media, which is another topic. But where should you go? You know, you've you got a limited amount of time, resources. Mm -hmm. Where should you be? You can't be everywhere. So what people do to be everywhere is they just duplicate. They press the auto button and they want to blast every platform with the same stuff. But the problem is every audience on every platform are different. How they get your message, the length of the message, the style of the message. And you can tell straight away, you know, when someone cross posts from Instagram to Twitter, Twitter doesn't mm. even play nicely with Instagram. It doesn't even give you the picture. It's You've got to click the link. It's rubbish. And then you get half the text is missing because it's too long for one platform than another. Mm -hmm. People have a nanosecond to see your stuff. And if you're trying the shortcuts, the fast track, the blast everywhere, the automation approach, you are wasting your time. Now, five years ago, it was like one town, one cinema, and you were on screen one. Now, it's like, one town, 20,000 cinemas, and there's a 1,000 screens in each cinema. You've got to compete with everybody. And most of us will lose because we can't produce the quality, the exclusiveness. And as soon as there's, you know, as I said, a celebrity, I think celebrities have killed social. Why? Because they grab everyone's attention. We're fighting for mm -hmm. the scraps that are left. That, may, that makes total sense. And um, you brought up something, I believe in another interview that was interesting that, um, you're able to, how do I put it? Not necessarily have to have a day job and that is of a benefit. And I've seen a lot of the quote, social media experts are, um, I don't want to get gender specific on this, but there are spouses who can afford because somebody else is drawing in a check to the house. They can afford to spend all day building, building, building and, and, and put in that two years, three years or however many years it takes to build an audience. And then when they pop, it seems like they just overnight became a sensation. Absolutely. You know, social media is the greatest smoke and mirrors place built of all time everyone's the world's greatest number one forbes top this award-winning legendary blah 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 blah. okay but when you start to peel back the onion 
you then often really discover, and I have no problem with you know people working from their back bedroom. I was in my back bedroom and my parents had no problem with that. Nothing wrong with that. But please don't tell me you're the corporate, you know, you're the CEO of a corporate on a billion dollar business and you're working in your back bedroom of your mum and dad's house. It doesn't work. The other thing that doesn't work is you tell me you're the greatest in your field of all time. I ask, what do you charge? And you tell me twenty nine dollars an hour doesn't work, doesn't make any sense. So you're right. There's a lot of people using this smoke and mirrors to give people the impression of how awesome they are. They've got a client list to die for. Everyone's got the greatest clients and they're Forbes this and they're number one that and they're, da, 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 they're spoken of. And then when you actually physically ask them the nuts and bolts, it all sorts to unravel. So that's point number one. Point number two, longevity. The people who are successful in this game are the people who did it day in, day out, consistent message for a year, two years, three years, all the time. So the question is, what was funding them while they were turning up every single day for a year, for two years, for three years? A lot of them have another job. A lot of them have income from something. A lot of them are not giving you the full truth of what they're doing because to be successful at this marketing through social you're on it seven hours a day. You've got to be replying and doing, you know, you're stressing out. What am you going to post today? You've got to think of new content every five minutes. It's stressful. It's overwhelming and it's unachievable. So what, what are you doing for income? So I tell people all the time, have a part-time job. Start it off part-time. Do your day job at the weekends at night. Start doing something. Else. See if there's traction. See, people are interested in what you're doing. And there may come a moment in time where the two cross, where your income from your day job is the same as your income from your social media or everything else that you're doing. That's when you know you've got something. Until then, I just want to tell people from experience how this, I went a year on Twitter when I started, nothing, zero, nothing. And then suddenly it got crazy. Suddenly. I got busy and but I was a year in the making turning up every day. That's the bit no one wants to do to turn up every day and nothing's happening. And you think, oh, God, where's uh, nothing's going on? That's the challenge. That's why most people give up or get very disillusioned very quickly or don't know what to do because it's tough. And I just tell people how it is. Maybe that's a good thing. Have you heard the. um Ernest Hemingway quote about bankruptcy? No, what's that? How did you go bankrupt? Slowly at first and then suddenly. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Is this the reverse for Twitter? You know, how you, slowly at first it's like, God, is anybody reading this? Is anything happening? And then it sounds like you all of a sudden pop, like maybe had one right person retweet or something occurred. Absolutely. But even saying that, I think. Things have changed since that was that was eight, 10 years ago. That was 2009. Things have changed since then. Could I do now what I did then? I don't think so. I don't think so. The world's moved on. The, the space has moved on. It's a crowded space. Everyone's doing whatever. And I don't know anyone hardly who's doing what I was doing now. They've all moved back. Have you noticed? One of the things that's quite interesting 
is when you look at people's bios, how it evolves over the years. So mm. one minute they were a graphic designer, then they were web designer, blog designer, then they were social media expert, then they're coming out of that to blockchain cryptocurrency, uh. right? Then they're, then they're moving now, the latest social selling, you'll see that everywhere. Right. So people just change with the flavor of the time, the moment. It doesn't work. The people that succeed are the long players with the consistent message patiently over time. And you look at any, the Gary V's, the Pat Flynn's, that's how they all started with nothing happening for a year. And then it started to happen. Well, maybe that's kind of a, a feature of the design. I, I know that may sound crazy, but it's so difficult to just deal with rejection over and over. Isn't that sort of a built-in filter? Maybe, yeah. It gets rid of most of them. You know, I don't know what percentage. You probably know better than me. What percentage of people give up on a podcast after the first seven episodes, ten episodes? 90, Same thing. Well, there you go. Why? Because they think you just turn up with something and the whole universe is going to start listening. Everybody... Everybody thinks their message is the most important. What I need to tell you is the most important thing you need to hear. Problem is everyone thinks the same. How do you cut through the noise? How do you get yourself out there? Longevity, consistency, adding value and playing the long game. Do those four. You've got a great chance. <laughs> and you've got to be hard-headed too to uh, give some full disclosure. Mark Shaw's um, podcast by the way, the Antisocial Podcast, let me give it a plug. It is a good show. But he self-describes as not another boring interview podcast. And here I am doing another interview podcast. So, so here's the thing, okay? I, I, I'm, I'm quite old. I'm 52. And I'm very non-technical. And I wanted to do a podcast for some time. And I had no clue how to do it. And I had no clue on any of the technical size of things. I, I didn't want a microphone. I didn't want to edit. I had mixing desk and, and none of that stuff. I'm too old for that. And somebody said to me one day, all you need is your iPhone with voice memo. That's it. Yeah. That is my podcast. So that's, that got me started. So literally, it's me for five to eight minutes. No jingle, no guest, no waffle, no nothing. Now, who knows whether I've got a good uh, idea? I have no idea. I'm on episode 14. I have no idea whether people will like it, not like it. But I actually don't like listening for an hour. To th I get quite bored. So I, I struggle listening for an hour to things when the first 10 minutes is you just telling me how your day was and what's going on in your life. And there's a, I'm not interested. So that's why I wanted to do that style who knows whether it will be successful? I have no idea. Sure. And I, I'm with you. I can't stand long intros. Um, listening to my show, most people will be surprised, but I go right into the interview. I, I almost never have any preamble. Um, I just theme music, go interview, cut out. Well, 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 I come perhaps, and this is why I got on so well with Twitter. I like the brevity of things. I like get your message across quick but value people's time because you've got to think, why would someone want to give up an hour to listen to this? And that's always in my mind. Whatever I'm doing, I think to myself, why is someone going to give up a minute, an hour, uh, three hours, 10 seconds, whatever it is, why are they going to give up what they are doing 
to listen to this? What am I going to give them that they're going to go, wow, yes, needed to hear that, interesting, yes, I can do something with that. That's my mindset. And so for me, I wouldn't, I don't know what I would do to, you're going to have to be something incredibly amazing for me to stop doing anything for 10 minutes, 20. That's just the way I'm built. That's why, that's why I'm doing it like this. But I understand, listen, who am I to, I don't knock anybody else <laughs> because I've learned people are doing incredibly well out of this podcast, whatever they're doing with it, video and podcast, whatever. And they all have a style. And I think the most key thing is to develop your own style, whatever that is. You develop your own style, your own technique, your own voice, your own image, and work on that. You'll find a tribe of people who love you, tribe of people who don't. That's how it is. There's that ugly word, authenticity. Well, it, well, exactly. Just be yourself. You know, I don't want to be Gary. I don't want to be Pat. I don't want to be anybody. I want to be Mark Shaw. And if people like, you know, someone said to me, Mark, why do you do that boom, boom, boom thing at the start of everything that you do? And I'll tell you why. I just fell on it. I was doing something and I did it once and people reacted to it and went, oh, wow, you so, got so much energy. Da, 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 da. So I just do it now. And that's become sort of my trademark thing. I don't know why. I just started doing it. And that's the thing that I do. But if other people did it, I don't think it worked. It wouldn't work because it's not authentic for you. You've got to find what works for sure. you. And whatever that is, you know, there's a guy on um, LinkedIn called Quinton Allums. He wears a black hat. He calls it an anchor. You know, a lot hmm. of comedians have a catchphrase. It's an anchor. That sure. stuff. And people just get used to people saying a certain phrase and they associate it with you. So I get people now saying, you're that boom, boom guy. You're that idiot who does the boom, boom. That'll do for me. That's awesome. I mean, and it's it's cool if you can have an anchor to own like that. It's a lot like a, a musical hook. Well, I mean, the, well, the best songs they have a you know a, a hook in them or some sort of lick you can't get out of your head. One of the most valuable things you can do is to be memorable. Most people, sadly, are totally forgettable. That doesn't mean they're not nice people. It doesn't mean they don't give to charity and all that stuff. It just means that if I'm meeting you. The way you present yourself, what you say about yourself, the way we remember things is we put things in boxes. So if I meet you and I say, what are you doing? You say, oh, I'm a web guy or web guy, whatever. You go, oh, OK, in the box with a billion other web people you met. Mm -hmm. You meet someone and you say, what are you doing? They say, I design websites for rock stars. Suddenly they are in their own box. Oh, what's that? Never heard of that before. That's hmm. the point. You want to be on social? You've got to be memorable. You've got to say stuff about yourself that gets is a hook. That's why I put this antisocial thing. It gets people going, what's that? Or they go, why are you on it if you're being antisocial? Isn't that the odd, you know, not an irony? It's a starting point. But what it does makes you memorable. I'm mem and that's all I'm after. And that's what I tell everybody. What you need to be after now is to be memorable. Most people... How many people that you've hooked up with on any platform can you remember? How many people can you remember what they do? How many people you connect with would pick up the phone and know who you are if you rung them up? How many people, sure. if you turned up in their town and said, I'm visiting, do you want to meet up for coffee, would know you? When you start asking those questions, literally, it's nobody. You, you connect, you've got thousands of connections, thousands of followers, thousands of this. And then you put it in those things and they go, well, actually, I don't know anybody. I can't remember anybody. <laughs> so what So what value a connection, a follower is meaningless. When it becomes meaningful, 
is when you build on that relationship and turn it into something. That's the bit nobody wants to do because that you can't automate, can't automate banter, can't automate building rapport. That's mm-hmm. where everyone, you know, how do you feel when you get, you know, I, I got one this morning, the generic video, hi, thanks to connect message. What? Why bother? Who cares? No one wants generic. Nobody. How do you feel about the generic emoji birthday card from Facebook? Nothing. Because no one put any thought, time, or personalization into it. Mm. Don't care. Don't care. And that's what everyone's doing. I'll send you a video. I'll send you a person. Nothing. So, so here's the opportunity. When you do do something, ring someone. When's your last phone song? My phone never rings. No one ever rings me anymore. Right. When you last send a handwritten note to someone, these are the little things you can do now that people are crying out for. And then when they get those things, what do they do? They tell the universe, oh, my God, I got a handwritten note from a restaurant or, oh, my God, I got this personal touch thing. That's the that's the opportunity. It's never at the customer care bar in the toilet. It's never been so low. You've only got to smile, say their name on pretty much every post i reply to i put people's names and people might go that's a bit odd because the names you're replying to someone but i want them to when you get your school photo of you when you went to school in 1985 or whatever it was right what's the first thing you look for yourself that's what everybody looks for themselves so i spend a lot of time using the word you using their name personalizing it little touch makes all the difference simple things you can do however i can't stand um to you know push back a little bit on that i can't stand there's a trend here in the states where you walk into a store thanks for coming to subway thanks for coming and it's like yes i know you're parroting a phrase that your corporate leader is putting in your mouth that this is customer service you have to greet me at the door by the time I walk 10 feet in. And that insincerity or, or parroting, I actually find to be even more offensive than being not acknowledged at all. And the key word you use there, insincere. They're doing it to everybody. It's a robotic thing. That is exactly the point. Doesn't work anymore. We've all moved on beyond that. Ten year, 1975, when they started doing it, it was like, oh, thanks very much. We've all heard it a billion times. Don't, not interested anymore. So this is where you need to move with the times, where you need to change, evolve. That's the point. People are still doing things now than they were doing 20 years ago. It doesn't work anymore. People's mindsets have changed. People's attention spans definitely changed. People's expectations have changed. So you need to look at how you change. But the point is, it doesn't have to be rocket science. It doesn't have to be the most expensive, thought-through marketing strategy of all time. Just often a very simple hello or a smile or remembering. I There's a supermarket near where I live. I've been going in there for 30 years, give or take a week. They still do not know my name. They still do not say hello. Nothing. Nothing. That's all I'm saying. I've walked in. Hello, Mark. What you know? What you come for today? I would go. Oh my God! They're the greatest supermarket ever. That's the point. Right. Or if you walked in, um, 
a lot of the subways here, they just start making my sandwich before I even tell them. Exactly. What your usual, Mr. Shaw? Lovely. Wow. Now, hang on. That's amazing. A usual? When did you last get offered a <laughs> usual? Every day. But, <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. Um, okay. And speaking of the authenticity, it's um, uh, another person that I've um, interviewed and, and followed is uh, Travis Chappell and his, his um, whole show and things is all about networking. He said something though with another guest I thought was kind of profound when going to a networking event, they were asking him, how do you present yourself to somebody else? And he says, put my hand out and say, hi, I'm Travis Chapel." That's it. And I really like that because I'm an introvert by nature and the idea of, you know what, just introduce yourself to somebody. It's not about, Oh, and I do blah, blah, blah. And I host the unstructured and you've got to check out unstructured. You've got to do this and that. How about you just introduce them as if they were somebody in a coffee shop that you happen to come across? You're standing in line together. Hey, how you doing? Hey, what's going on? Oh, do you like this? Um, what kind of coffee are you having? And just have a genuine conversation. One of the one of the very strange things that people do at networking events is they believe that they have to sell stuff. The problem with that is that everyone in the room is there to sell stuff. They are selling to people who are all there to sell something. So that, so that philosophy needs to completely change. You are not there to sell to anybody. You are there to build a bit of a rapport with a couple of people. That's it. And in time, if you keep meeting the same people or you develop that relationship, you might build an advocate and you might collaborate and you might down the line. But the initial thing is, hello, let's have a chat. You People are obsessed with selling these days. I don't know if you've noticed, everywhere you turn, They've got to get the sale in. So, hello, how are you doing? Buy my webinar, buy my course. You get the fake post, which is, hi, I just thought I'd tell you I'm on holiday. I've been able to do this because I'm using this software and you can buy yeah. it. Everywhere you turn now, people have to put the thank you. Here's a sale. Thank you. Buy my stuff. People are obsessed with it. You walk down the street, please. So just stop, stop all that nonsense. Have a conversation with people. That's all you need to do. You know, you meet them at a cocktail bar, you meet them in a coffee shop. Hello, where you come from? How far you traveled? And you, what's quite funny is when you go with that mindset, people can't compute and they go, oh, hold up. Uh, I, you know, I've got to answer something. I wasn't geared up for that. I wasn't prepared for what did I, you know, what's my, you know, anything else. All I can talk about is work. And mm -hmm. you can see in their eyes, they're glazing over. Oh, my God, he's asked me, you know, about what did I do at the weekend? Oh, I can't answer that. Just be friendly. This, all this is is building rapport. All this is, is is just chatting to people. People get very upset. They get very pressurized, stressed out about it. It's none of the above. Stop selling. Just start talking. That's all you really need to do with people. And then, you know, you get the people who, you know, have already got the business card in the hand. I don't want your card. I don't know what you do. I don't care what you do. <laughs> so, you know, and they're already selling you, you, you know, you need this course. Why? How do you know I need your course? You don't know anything about me. So everyone wants to fast track these days. They want to fast track to success, fast track to everything. You cannot achieve anything. One tweet, one post, one video, one networking event. You can't sell anything like that. Everyone wants to go from stranger to sale in one of anything. You can't. You've got to build on it. Starts with a friendly conversation. That's the bit nobody wants to do. What I find funny about that too, though, is I genuinely 
find people fascinating. And as I talk to them, I learn these things about them. It's like, whoa, wait a minute. You were a roadie for Bruce Springsteen in 82? Are you kidding? Wow. What's that? About? Or, you know, whatever it might be. And you just find out because nobody's one thing. They're, they're not their job. They have an entire life. And often I feel, and that's why I love interviewing is because I uncover things as I go. And it's just fascinating. Um, an example is I did an interview with a, a gentleman, um, Marco Perrazzo, and he is a MMA coach. And I don't know anything about MMA, but I'm very, I'm fascinated because it's, it's very cool, very visual sport. Interesting. I had a, a friend come on who happens to be a black belt because I felt like I'm not competent enough to really ask the good questions. So I'll be the dummy, have my friend. Well, it turns out during the interview, because I liked the guy, I met him in Philadelphia. We just hung out together. We were at the coffee shop and just chatting away, walking. I'm interviewing him. It turns out that he's in the corner and a coach of one of the athletes who's in UFC Lincoln today. I didn't know that. I, I found that out in the interview. And all this just came because I chatted with a guy and I was interested in what he did. And we're talking. You've made two really important points, okay? The first thing is nobody wants to be interested in other people. That's the big thing. You get interested in other people, guess what? They suddenly get interested in you. Nobody wants to care. No one cares about you, your message, your podcast. No one cares. They only start to care when you care about them and you help them get what they want. Then they suddenly care about what you're doing. And And thirdly, you know, at the end of the day, everyone, as I said, wants to fast track. Everybody doesn't want to do the chit chat. And they, you can often find, as you just said, the most interesting things about people is what is not on their bio. You only get 140 characters or you only get a certain small amount of space. You can't put everything. And when you suddenly get chatting and you go, oh, as you said, with the, with the UFC or something else, you've got a common interest. You also play the guitar. I used to play the guitar. And suddenly now you've got something to talk about. That's how you build a relationship, how you build rapport. And then guess what? They look at your staff. They check you out. They advocate for you because you've built something. That's the magic of when this stuff goes really well. So ironically speaking, to bring it around and I guess finish it up with a bow, we're really just trying to get word of mouth. Absolutely. This is no different to the, you know, people in the caves putting stuff on the cave walls. OK, just it's, it's word of mouth on steroids. All you want is people to think you're cool and to be telling their friends and family about how amazing you are. That's it. And the more of that you can achieve, that is your marketing. You'd have to do nothing because you've got all these people telling everyone nonstop how great what you're doing is. That's what you're after. And what you find is if you're not offering anything that's great, no one talks about you. I say to people, how many referrals do you get? How many, how many people are talking about you? And they go, well, none. Well, that's a question in itself. Why not? Because you're boring, you're mediocre, you're average, you're not doing anything different. That's why. Well, awesome. And Mark, thank you so much for coming on. Now, people can find you, obviously, with the Antisocial Podcast. And note for everyone, it's hard to pick up on a search. You have to say the Anti-Space Social Podcast. I always try to be clear to everybody because searches can get a little bit weird on this stuff. Even quicker, if you search Mark Shaw, it'll come up right away. Fantastic. So go to iTunes check that out and you're also on um 
markshow.biz i believe yep, yep that's my website and i'm obviously on linkedin i think i'm markshow 101 on linkedin and i'm markshow on twitter and you're actually verified on twitter guys so he's a heavy hitter absolutely hey thanks so much for coming on thank you for having me hi i'm tyson franklin the host of it's no secret with dr t which is a small business and marketing podcast each week, I interview business leaders who openly share the secrets to the massive success. It's No Secret with Dr. T will educate, entertain, and inspire you. Check it out. You'll find it wherever you listen to podcasts, or you can go to my website, TysonFranklin.com.